You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Very merry draftmas to all of you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show. A little bit over a week out from Draftmas. The can the, the the Kansas City Chiefs are very close to adding eight, seven, nine. We don't know how many players. Depends on what Brett Veach is feeling and where he trades up. Uh, but the Chiefs are on the verge of, of adding a bunch of players to this football team, hopefully to make them better in pursuit of another world championship a lot to talk about today and here to help me do it are my dear pals and first find him on twitter at jacob morley jake so close to draft miss how you feeling man i am re-energized i am ready i am on social media looking at all the hot takes right now i just think everything we read right now on twitter is just so fascinating and so accurate that i think everything <laughs> everything we've talked about for the last six months throw it out the window you only need to listen to people the last 10 days before the draft that's my new rule this is the energy i need this is the new that's the new rule don't listen to anything until we are within striking distance of the draft and then take it as gospel speaking of gospel bring the bring the good word to us mr craig scott mr craig stout how you feeling buddy I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I'm watching uh, Mark Davis and the Raiders try and divert from the terrible draft class that they're about to have in real time right now. So that's kind of fun. But yes, Jake is right. There are all kinds of rumors and hot takes out there right now. We are going to cover some of those. And one of the guys that's going to cover it with us, my pal, Matthew Lane at Chief in Carolina. Buddy, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. I'm I'm happy that we are getting closer and closer to the draft. I um I have not been following all the hot takes. I have not particularly been heavily involved with social media that much the last, you know, week. Just trying to take a step back from all the draft stuff until I think once we get through this weekend, it's time to really tune in because I think that's when you stop getting as many smoke screens. And some people start to get some info. But with you know that in mind, I think there are a lot of rumors coming out right now. There's a lot of uh, quote-unquote new information that's all of a sudden being divulged to us in mass. So let's run through some of it. Oh, Jake, I, you want to get back in here? Yeah, because I need to be clear with all the people now. Because Craig and I were joking. Don't listen. <laughs> don't listen to the stuff that's happening before the draft. And then Matthew just comes in. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not doing that because I'm too busy having a productive matter day over here. And I'm not listening to the draft. Yes, of <laughs> course. So we're going to get into the crazy stuff that we're hearing right now. And we're actually, I think, what, what do we have? The, the Matter Day BS meter going on today. Is that the official 
name of uh, of what we're gonna use. All right, Craig, you got to cut everything nope. up till the matter day part. We don't need everything else Jake said about joking before that. Just got cut it. it out. Yep. Got it. Got it, buddy. I'm on it. I am very disappointed in Jake. And I, I've got a problem. I love you, Jake. Don't he, listen. Look, Jake is a professional podcaster now. He's doing three a week right now. And I've come to find him to be elite at transitions. And he got done starting. He got done talking about the gospel and had Matt Matthew's name right there. He could have gone to the gospel of Matthew, and no, he goes I to Craig. Go to Craig. Speaking of a, speaking of gospel, Craig, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and yeah. Craig. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I thought that would have been an elite transition, and it would have been fine if you'd gone to Matt. I'm just I think it's just that. as good that you brought us back to the transition from four minutes ago and explained it to us. <laughs> I really needed to get that out there into the universe. Okay? Bless you. Um, okay. You. We have some we have some rumors out there that are some some buzz, some things that are out there. We're gonna I guess we're gonna turn it into the Matthew Lane BS meter and go through some of these some of these and We'll ask Matthew and, and see where I'm curious what I'm curious what the meter looks like. Are there is it a scale? Are there ranges? I, I can't wait to see where Matt goes with that, frankly. So let's start with the first one. A lot of buzz recently about Joe Tryon, the defensive end out of Washington. I'm really excited actually that he's kind of getting some buzz because he's not a guy we've really spent a lot of time talking about. But Joe Tryon. A lot of people think he's going early. There are some top 20 buzz. There is some very definitive first round buzz. I believe Benjamin Albright tweeted out that someone in the NFL laughed at the idea of Joe Tryon being there in the 40s. I think this is very clearly a guy that could potentially be in play for the Chiefs. And I'm excited that we're talking about him uh, today because he does fit all of the the profile of a, of a Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. Um, and I think he's a guy, he's one of those guys with the with the with the profile, with the athletic profile, and some mystery about him. Because he did opt out for the 2020 season. He had a very productive uh, so uh, redshirt sophomore year in 2019. The last time we saw him, he was very productive. There's still a lot of growth for this guy, I think, Maddie, And I think he's a guy that, you know, the NFL is going to have better insights about him than we are. Uh, but I feel good that we have him in our top 30 in the KC draft guide. I mean, just looking at Joe Tryon on paper, 6'5", 260 pounds, quality explosion, ran fast, you know, good agility. He's not great, but like, it's a profile at a pass rushing position that the NFL is usually very intrigued by. You combine that with him being a younger player, doesn't have a ton of experience, played for a Washington Huskies defense, which doesn't really do defensive linemen or pass rushers a lot of favors, and he still found a way to make an impact in specific games in certain situations. Like, I absolutely buy that at least one team in the NFL is very intrigued by what he's bringing. I don't know if I think he's Marcus Davenport level of early draft pick, which I think is one of the rumors floating around right now. But to see Joe Tryon go in the first round, I don't think would shock me at all. And kind of going back to what we led with this, yeah, I think him going top 40 would be less surprising than him going outside of the top 40, just because when you're talking about edge rushers, the NFL is not afraid to take developmental guys. In fact, that's the majority of the guys they take at that position. They take athletes, teach him how to actually rush the passer. And he's definitely one of the better candidates for that. Yeah. Two things about Tryon, And I think 
the Marcus Davenport stuff is is interesting at least because just trying to think back to when he was coming out his trajectory was kind of similar where he was kind of that guy that was maybe outside of the first round and then picked up a ton of steam heading up to the draft and ended up ended up going top 20 uh and this year's this year's draft class too with this edge this edge class it's kind of a mixed bag of what do you like and there's not really a clear cut you know top five guy Who's the Chase Young in this draft class? Who's the Bosa, the Bradley Chubb, any of that stuff? There's not really a guy. And so you look at the top guys and, you know, the, the Quiddy Pays, the Jason Oways, the, the those types, the Phillips, you know, even Rousseau have been mentioned as, you know, round one guys. And no one's really talked about Tryon at all. And now here we kind of come full circle and he could very well be a top 20 pick. So it, it sounds to me before we get to the gospel of Craig, that it sounds like a lot of us are kind of buying this rumor. How are we feeling about that? Yeah, I think I'm buying this rumor. I mean, I, I can absolutely, like you said there, you pick your poison. You find a, a, a team that wants a specific fit there, and you've got Aziz Ojolari, Greg Rousseau, and Joe Tryon on the board. You can look at Rousseau and say, well, he hadn't played in a year. I don't know if I love exactly the explosion, his athletic profile. You look at Ojolari and you say, oh, he's a little light. He might be a little bit more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. Tryon might be your fit. He's got the athletic profile to be productive. He's got the length. He's got bend. He's got a lot of the things that defensive coordinators really like as a 4-3 defensive end. He makes a lot of sense to me as a first-round player, and it reflects. I mean, he's top 30 in the KC Draft Guide, a guy that we really you know like but haven't talked a ton about because there's a bunch of other edges that are kind of in that range that get all the buzz. I think this might be a situation where maybe some of the NFL media is starting to catch up to where NFL teams have had Tryon on their list all along. He just didn't have the buzz from the media before now. All right, let's punch this one into the scale. Beep, boop, beep, beep. All right, the BS reading for this one says, this is the BS equivalent of saying Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL, hands down. Wait, Wait so I'm confused. Is that... No, it's it's not BS. I I picked up what he was putting down. It's not BS at all. Zero BS. Well, you said zero BS. You uh, said he okay. is. I got confused. it. You said he is the best. <laughs> yeah, he's so the best. There's no, B, there's no there's no BS well, I agree detective. with that, but yeah. it's confusing. All right. All right, Terrace Marshall. Terrence Marshall. Can we get the beep beeps again? That was good. Can we run through that one more time, Matthew? I, we'll, well, we'll get him on this on this next scale reading. Uh, you can't overuse the scale, classic. Jake. It already broke your brain. I don't <laughs> want to break the scale, too. It's fair. <laughs> I just love how nothing about Maddie can be uncomplicated. <laughs> <laughs> it all requires it all requires explanation at all times. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I thought it was pretty straightforward. Terrence Marshall. Uh no. I if you had made me do math, that would have been even funnier. Um all right. Back to Terrace Marshall. Can I transition? All right, Terrace, he's he's getting a lot of round one love right now. And I think there's some people that he's kind of he's picking up some steam here. He's got some people very strong for him uh the last couple days out on social media. Jake, are you buying Terrace Marshall round one love? 
I, I mean, it, it would depend how many receivers come off the board. Does that mean that we're hearing that a lot of receivers are coming off the board in round one, similar to how it was last year, where a bunch of guys flew off the board that maybe we didn't expect to come off the board as quick? Because if that happens again, sure, why not? I mean, he's got all the tools in the toolbox, right? He's got everything you would possibly want out of a receiver athletically. And it's interesting because some of this stuff kind of does come full circle. If you go back to the end of the college football season, Terrace Marshall was kind of considered a first-round type guy. We go through the entire process. He hasn't really done anything to hurt that. He tested out of the, the gym. Why, why shouldn't he be? Why shouldn't he be considered a first-round guy? So I'm – yeah, I, I would buy this. I, I really would, and I think it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him sneak in to the end of round one, maybe in Kansas City. Terrace Marshall's a six foot three, 205-pound wide receiver that runs a sub-4-4. Four four. Like, yeah, if you're building a player that goes in the first round, it's Terrace Marshall. Good explosive. You know, he didn't do his agilities, and I think we all know why, but good explosion in his testing. You even look at him. He's a big-bodied guy that wins at the catch point, but clearly has the ability to stretch the field. I would not like to take him in the first round. I don't. I think he's got some major flaws, and I think part of what set him back a little bit from the first week of this college season till now is opting out right before he played Alabama, the toughest competition of the year, having some concentration drops. A lot of people were dinging his effort early through the season after the first week or two. So like he has done some things that maybe don't translate directly to his play on the field that just make you have a few more questions. I don't love the receiver prospect personally. I think he has the same issues that a lot of lanky catch point receivers have had transitioning from college to the NFL, your dachshunds, you know, guys of that mold. I see a lot of the same issues. I think he's way too much of a finesse player for his size. That said, the NFL consistently drafts guys that are fast and that are big very early, unless your name's DK Metcalf, in which the NFL then hates you for some reason. But outside of that, they draft guys like this early. So I would expect him to get some serious first round looks. Well, if anything, Terrace Marshall watched DK Metcalf do everything and went, okay, note to self, don't run agilities. Like, the NFL will overthink you if you run agilities. No, these guys are right. Like, th this is the type of guy that consistently goes in the first round and his issues, you know, downfield drops, uh, not really wanting to block. That's all mentality stuff. Like that's stuff that you can correct through, you know, coaching, through technique, through a little bit of more want to, you know, on the field. You get somebody in his ear. You get somebody that's working him to improve on those things. Then you've got the athletic profile to gamble on. Again, NFL teams look at what's the ceiling of this guy more than they're looking at, okay, these two things we need to, you know, fix or whatever. He's got a very, very high ceiling. I could see him going in the first round. Like, like Jake said, with all those guys that went last year, yeah, Terrace Marshall can definitely go round one, especially if some wide receivers start coming off the board early. I just wish the effort was consistent. Like, that's one of the things that really does bother me. And it is funny. He pulled up right before his biggest test with the agilities and his, and his athletic testing, and he pulled up right before the Bama game. Uh, he's ducking some people here a little bit and he's probably going to be the pick at 31. All right, Maddie. <laughs> well, you know what you can't do is duck the BS scale. Beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. And this BS meter reading is the equivalent of Breland Speaks being a second round draft pick. 
He was oh. a second round draft pick. But he shouldn't have fact. been. Uh, <laughs> once again, an explanation is needed. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right, Jamar Johnson getting some buzz as safety three in this class. What you think, Matthew? Jamar Johnson's interesting because I don't, unlike these kind of other guys that we've talked about so far, I don't think there was really any hype for Jamar Johnson until about two weeks ago. And then now all of a sudden, a lot of people are throwing out there how he's coming around as their safety three, how he's being super impressive and everything. And I don't disagree. I think Jamar Johnson's a terrific safety. I do think he was flying under the radar, which is weird because his like pinnacle game, the game that you make everyone go watch for him is the Ohio State game, which happened early in the season. Everybody knew what happened in that game, but for some reason, nobody got around to that until you know February or March for some reason. It's, it's strange, but you put him at safety three. He's a very instinctive guy. He can play in the slot. He can play single high. He can play in the box a little bit, although he doesn't love contact. He's definitely an ankle diver. But what you're really going for him with him is the ability to make big plays, his ability to drive on the football, to make plays over his shoulder, to come downhill and make plays on the football, to cover guys on the back end. So when you're talking about the NFL now, where it's a passing league, get yourself a guy that can make plays in the football, that can cover receiving options in multiple different areas of the field. So I do get why he's some people's safety three. I just think when you start going through the safety group, it's pretty good. I don't know what he does significantly better than a handful of other guys. So with that said, I'm going to ask the three of you, who are your guys' safety three if it's not Jamar Johnson? Well, for me, it's an interesting question because you have your different types as well. And it's like, is Jock... Jock is so much different, I think, than a lot of these guys. And he is he's a safety for us, so we have to include him in there. Uh, but I think I would go Morig, Jock, uh, probably Richie, Grant, Holland, and then Jamar Johnson. So he's probably my safety five. So my, my safety three was Grant. So no, I'd say no on this one. Yeah, and my safety three, I'm going to flip grant and uh jock just because jock's never really had to play very much you know from a top-down perspective had to play in some of the positions that other safeties in this class have kind of had the versatility to he has been playing you know this kind of hybrid slot corner basically but we have him as a safety i do think that he's probably the third best guy in this class even though guys like johnson guys like holland you know those guys have played multiple roles. I think that Jock will transition well because he is a good athlete. But no, I, I don't have Jamar Johnson in my top three. I, I know that a lot of people are in love with him, but as we've seen over the past several years, safeties do not fly off the board. And it really is a situation where NFL teams will pass on guys that, you know, other people are higher on or have better athletic profiles because of specific fits. We see it year after year. There is a, there's an abundance of good safeties in the NFL and teams are running more and more three safety looks and they've got plenty of roster spots for them. So I do think that we see these guys fall a little further and then it gets into the NFL, just kind of picking guys at random. So I could see it happening, but I wouldn't do and it. He reminds me of Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the guy out of Florida a couple years ago. When you talk about, 
guys that people were like, oh, he could be, you know, this top 50 type guy. He could be safety three or whatever. And then he ends up going in whatever Gardner Johnson did the fourth or fifth round. So it's, you know, that's a weird position. And it does kind of, it just kind of depends on what teams want at that particular point in the draft. So that's a interesting one. Well, I think that's kind of where I fell on too. I think he's going to be outside of. I like him as a player, but I think he's outside of my top five safeties. He might be closer to my safety seven or something like that. And I like him, but when I start to look through some of these guys, I mean, Javon Holland, I think, is a better slot defender than I think Jamar Johnson is. I think that Ardarius Washington's a better playmaker in general than Jamar Johnson is. I think James Wiggins can play in the box better. Jacoby Stevens, like. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I think can do specific roles better than Jamar Johnson, and I don't know if he's good enough at everything, like a Trevon Morag, like a Richie Grant, to make up for the lack of specificity. So, like, I'm I don't know if I'm buying all the way in on the safety three talk for that reason. I think he's more of a jack of all trades. I just don't know if he's good enough at everything to take out these guys that are the masters of a single skill. Kent, do you care to get in here at all on who your safety three is? Uh, I share the same sentiments with a Jacob Stack. Give me Richie Grant as my safety three, uh, not Jamar Johnson. There's my take. Now let's go to the BS meter. Beep, boop, beep, 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 beep. The, B- the BS meter just has no reading here. We just don't know what to do with safety. Safeties are wild. The kid out of the Fuller, Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State, was one of the best safeties from last year's draft, and he had like a round seven grade in the KC draft guy. The BS meter just doesn't doesn't accept safeties, guys. I'm sorry. It's turned off. It's done. The right, well, Blackman slander. Come on now. We're going to give the BS meter a break, and we'll be back right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're running through some rumors out here. Last few days leading up to the draft, this is always a very fun, exciting time. I did see a tweet recently. Elijah Vera Tucker as a surprise top 12 pick in this draft. Some of the shortest arms among the tackles with a question mark in this class. Are we buying this, Craig? Man, this is a tough sell. Elijah Vera Tucker doesn't even have the standard, you know, 33 inch arms that a lot of NFL teams ask for. He's got 32 and one eighth inch arms. So he's, he's, 
quite a bit short. Yes, it's yeah. the shortest arm length in the top 20 tackles we have in the KC draft guide. There you go. So I, I think it's a situation where most teams view him as a guard, even though he's got the movement ability to play tackle and we have him graded as a tackle and we think he can play tackle. The NFL, the way that they view him, will likely be as an interior offensive lineman. How often do interior offensive linemen go in the top 12? Unless you're Quentin Nelson, it does not happen. It's really, really rare. So guys like Elijah Vera Tucker just don't tend to go that high. Yes, if a team has taken him to play tackle, I can believe that he will be a fringe 15-ish, maybe 20-ish player because I think he is that kind of good player. But we know that the NFL has these stringent arm length standards. And right now, him being that much shorter than it, even though he's got the movement ability, I just do not believe that he's going top 12 at all. Yeah, it'd be a little bit surprising for me too. And I'm a big Elijah Vera Tucker fan. Me too. I, I I think he got a my guy in in the KC draft guide, but I don't see. I think he's if if teams are having these conversations about you know squinting hard enough and making exceptions to move some of these tackles uh, or keep some of these tackles with shorter arms outside. I think Elijah Vera Tucker is one of the last candidates, even though I think he might be a better football player than a lot of these guys. Maybe all of the ones that we're talking about here with the short arms. Um, I think he's a guard, but I'm looking here at the last few drafts. And there's been one guard taken in the top five since 2015, I believe. And that is Quentin Nelson. And that's just me thumbing through this right now. It could go back even farther. Uh, and as much as I love Elijah Vera Tucker, I do think his natural position is ultimately going to be guard probably here uh, in, in the National Football League. And he's going to be an exceptional one. It's just positional value. Kent, you said top five when you were talking about Quentin Nelson there. What, what, what did you actually mean there? Top 15? Top 12, sorry. Top, 12. top 15, top 12. Top 12. It yep. doesn't look like Chance Warmack in 2013. Or no, Jonathan Cooper as well in 2013. So Ooh. two guards went in the top 10 in 2013. And then Quentin Nelson. Gotcha. I'm just thumbing. I'm still, I'm just thumbing through right now. And I'm going to keep looking while we, while we're having the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think Willis, Derek Willis would be a guy that I think a lot of people thought might be a guard as well. Kind of similar to Vera Tucker. And I'm just looking at the top 12, and it's like, so where would he fit in? And maybe Dallas. Maybe Dallas at 10. Loves him. You know, maybe Slater's off the board, and, and they want to get a guy that they think can play tackle, and if he fails, just kick him into kick him into guard. They, they've had no issue moving guys around in the past. You know, Collins started at guard, kicked out the tackle. You know, so I, do I think he's going top 12? Probably not, but – I mean, crazier things have happened. Like, if a team just really likes him top 12, if a team just... He's a good right, football if player. He, if someone thinks he is the third best offensive lineman in this draft class, then I guess my question would be, why not? And if it's just the arm length, I think teams I think teams may look past that. I mean, like, I mean, the fighting Gettleman sitting there at 11 might just love him. Might, he might not be able to help himself. He might see that, that slobber knocker <laughs> hog molly just sitting there with them short arms and he's going to be a New York giant who knows um I would so I would say I don't think he's going top 12 but maybe 
this one's kind of crazy to me because like Kent said, he's going back to 2013 to find more than Quentin Nelson as a guard that went top 12. And I, I, I think there is zero doubt that the NFL sees Elijah Vera Tucker as a guard. I think people were split before his pro day and the measurements came out if he was a guard or a tackle. Most people were in the camp of try him at tackle because it looked all right at USC, but I might like him better at guard was the general consensus. You 32 inch arms. Like he's barely over 32 inch arms. Like he's not going to play tackle other than spot starts in the NFL level. So if you're taking him in the top 12, I mean, you got to really, really love him. You got to think you're getting a David DeCastro, Quentin Nelson type guard, and you have to feel very certain about it. And like Jake said, yeah, Dallas is a team that could use interior offensive line help, but there's a chance they're looking at their pick of the litter at any defensive player in this draft. Are they really going to like Elijah Vera Tucker better than the best defensive player? Possible. Seems very unlikely. I, let's go to the scale. Boop, beep, boop, beep. Beep, beep, boop. All right, this is the BS equivalent of Andy Reid saying that Chiefs have good in-house options at left tackle. <laughs> I like it. Uh, right. Divine Diablo, the safety question mark linebacker question mark out of Virginia tech. Getting a little bit of love this week. Maybe a day two guy at this point. What you think, Matthew? So divine Diablo in, you know, an interview had said that just about every team that he has talked to has seen him as more of a linebacker than a safety. So I think that's where you have to start because watching divine Diablo play safety is rough sometimes. I mean, he just does not, he Pain. does not have the movement skills to do what you would ask of a traditional safety. You would be limiting him purely <coughs> to the old Cam Chancellor style box safety role. And I don't think he even has the fluidity to match Cam Chancellor, what he was asked to do. So if you move him to linebacker, I get the little bit of love, but I mean, I can't go day two on this. I really can't. Kaiser White has essentially been a complete bust in the NFL, and he was a significantly better safety to linebacker transition from his movement skills, from what he did at West Virginia when he was coming into the NFL. I think it's really hard to see what Diablo was doing at Virginia Tech and make that projection to the NFL super cleanly, so much so that you're taking him in the top 50, the top 100 I think there's just so much to go there for a guy that didn't play overly physical, isn't overly fluid. You're teaching a guy. You're just drafting an athlete and teaching him to play one of the most cerebral positions in football. That seems like a big stretch for a top 106 pick. Yeah, I th that's rough for me as well. We got to see him in Mobile, and he showed up, and they had him playing some safety. And Jim Nagy, the Senior Bowl director, is calling him, you know, one of the best safeties in this draft. One of these guys that's going to go high, and of course he's going to pump up his guy. Not, you know, not trying to say anything about that, but he was not a guy that really lined up and did a bunch of linebacker drills. The NFL watched him. Do that in Mobile and then went, yo, you're pretty stiff. Um, maybe you should play linebacker. So that's not necessarily the profile of a guy that's going to immediately come in, play linebacker, be a major contributor at the next level, and be a high draft pick. You compare that to a guy like Jacoby Stevens, who they did ask to play linebacker in Mobile, wanted him to bulk up and play at a bigger weight, play out there at linebacker and do all the linebacker drills. That's a guy that I think the NFL might be a little higher on than some mock draft machines. But Diablo looked really stiff, 
really labored doing things out there in Mobile. He shows up on the tape as well. We've heard he's a really sharp kid. The coaches love him at Virginia Tech, and I'm sure that appeals to some NFL teams. But again, we're talking about safeties and linebackers positions that typically fall and NFL teams just kind of let fall down by the wayside. When that happens, those types of guys fall into day three pretty regularly. I just want to interject again real quick too. This is a good linebacker class as well. So like if you're moving him to the linebacker Mm -hmm. position, he's competing with a good linebacker class and it's full of guys that can actually cover at that position too. Jabril Cox, Jimmy Davis. He's got stiff competition for the exact role you're transitioning to. Sorry if that was part of your point, Jacob. That's literally exactly what I was just going to say. So thanks thanks for <laughs> sliding in and taking my entire take. I was good. This is what I was going to say. I was going to say it is a sub-package league. P- teams love these, these athletic guys that can play in space, but he is going to be competing against guys that have actually already done it in players like Jabril Cox and Jamin Davis and even Jacoby Stevens, I think, are guys that would be ahead of him. So I really have nothing else to add. That was it. Got stolen from me. Uh. You guys, you guys, you guys did a really good job kind of outlining it. I mean, I do think, I do think there are probably some validity to him, you know, being trusted by that coaching staff because they moved him around a lot at Virginia Tech. Um, they let him do a lot of different things. I don't see a guy that I'm excited about athletically, even though he tested well. It's kind of surprising to see him test well. And I mean, his short, his short shuttle does kind of reflect the reality of what I kind of see him. He had a historically bad short shuttle, uh, but. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see this, this kind of player. I don't see a top 100 type player and I get the athletic profile from a physical perspective and some of the linear traits that he possess are, are intriguing, but man, I just can't get excited about this at all. I mean, would you rather have him or Hamsa Nasruddin or Derek Barnes or some of those other guys that get thrown in there like at the end of day two and a lot of these things like I'd take Hamsa or Derek Barnes exactly both of them 10 out of 10 times right so they're competing with like that level of player and then you're also going to try and transition him to a different position oh but that's a big ass put Hams on the same bowl as divine diablo i don't really want either one of them i think i think no i think Hams is better than divine i do i'm sorry boop beep beep pop pop boop all right so this is the bs equivalent of saying pancakes are better than waffles Hey, now hang on Sorry, here. Next question. <laughs> Matt is so about creating confusion in every single thing he does. I'm not confused about this because, one. and he's got the inc- this one. This one's exactly. straightforward to me. Like that, like like no, not happening. Up, like it's wrong. <sighs> the fact that that high is incorrect, just as it would be incorrect to gonna... have pancakes above waffles. I knew we had Jake on here for a reason. Pancakes are an unbelievably diverse breakfast carb, and you are insane for thinking that waffles are better than pancakes. And the data proves you are... So the take is Divine Diablo should be the top 100 picks, I guess, according to Matthew. All right. We're going to close this out and argue about QB3 because there is so much going on. I don't even know if it's going to be arguing, but there is so much out there right now about... Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, all over the place. Who do we think is going to be quarterback three when it's all said and done? Craig. I think it is going to be Justin Fields when it's all said and done. I 
think that the NFL media and everybody in general kind of bit on the initial reports about Mac Jones. And this isn't me saying that Mac Jones can't play in Shanahan's offense or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say, when was the last time an NFL team traded up for a guy that was pretty structured within the pocket and was a smart guy that got through his reads? Those aren't the types of quarterbacks that teams have been trading up for lately. They gave up the farm to move up to number three, a position where they knew pretty clearly that Trevor Lawrence was going number one, Zach Wilson was going number two to New York. I think they knew with those two things happening that Justin Fields was their guy. He's athletic enough. He stands in the pocket. He handles things. You, know, you saw him kind of get shelled a little bit in the playoffs, and he stood in there like a, better than I expected him to because, frankly, I had some questions about that. I think that he is pretty clearly my quarterback, too, and I think that San Francisco, when they heard that the Jets were all in on Zach Wilson, knew they needed to make a move up, and that was the guy because this happened at BYU's Pro Day. Like The conversations were happening there, then all of a sudden this trade came out almost that same day i think that they knew that justin fields was going to be available and they knew that they had to sell the farm to go up and get him so i i think that it's fields pretty clear jared goff to answer your question is the last time a team moved up for a, a non-athlete small small oh. arm cerebral quarterback yeah how'd that work Justin, it was another team with a very structured offense in which the coach ran the entire thing from the sideline with his headset and a clipboard. Interesting parallel there. As we transition. About, and how did it work uh, out? They went at? to the Super Bowl? Are you talking about Jet? I got smoked. And he was hit horrific and not good enough. You're Super all wrong. You're all incorrect. Right Jeff Fisher took Jared Goff, not McVay. Oh, that is right, too. So That's we can't even true. use that. Ooh. We just have... McVay inherited him. No, it's not a we. we it's oh, a no, you, agree. You you jumped right in here, Kent. We had eight. I minutes. also agreed. I forgot that They're it was right, Fisher because I just blank er, uh, Jeff Fisher out of my what, brain. A guy that completely. goes eight and eight every year is not memorable. <laughs> no, not at all. So as this goes on, we get to the point to where we have Kyle Shanahan's been to two Super Bowls. He should have won both Super Bowls. Really, defense let him down in one in his own play calling, and the other one, his quarterback simply wasn't good enough. His quarterback was asked one as an offensive coordinator. By the way. Just make sure that's clear. One is an offensive coordinator. His quarterback couldn't make one throw to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All he had to do was make one quality throw, and he couldn't do it. Now, a year removed from that, they are trying to find an entirely new quarterback. So what do they do? Does Kyle Shanahan completely throw out everything he's ever done with the quarterback in the NFL level from anywhere he's worked at as a QB coach, an offensive coordinator, a head coach, where he's had the very similar style of quarterback that he has made more successful than they've been elsewhere, that he's taken to multiple Super Bowls as a coach or as a coordinator, does he just throw all of that out the window and try something entirely new? Or does he get a better version of Kirk Cousins, a better version of Jimmy Garoppolo? Does he get the closest thing he can get to Matt Ryan, who essentially won him the Super Bowl till he called some run plays as the coordinator and refused to put away the Patriots and draft Mac Jones? Does he just improve at the quarterback, get a guy that will probably run his system to a T better than Jimmy Garoppolo could, better than Kirk Cousins could, pretty much up to MVP level Matt Ryan, 
if he just stays within the structure of the system. It makes a lot of sense. 100% see the rationale for Kyle Shanahan loving Mac Jones, putting him in this offense, and trying to replicate the success that his offense had with the Atlanta Falcons, which was good enough to win a Super Bowl. It was other things that let him down, not the quarterback play. No, he drafts the second best quarterback in this draft and drafts Justin Fields. Kyle Shanahan, uh, a lot of people do not talk about the fact that um, he basically laid out exactly what he wants at the quarterback position at his year-end press conference. I had uh, Eric Crocker was on one of the Packers shows just last week talking about this very subject and talking about how nobody mentions the fact that Shanahan basically came out and said, yes, I have been linked to Kirk Cousins uh, because he likes Kirk Cousins. He's worked with Kirk Cousins. He's had success with Kirk Cousins. But he that is not necessarily and this is like verbatim what he said is that's not my quarterback that's not my type of quarterback and then he went on to just gush about Josh Allen in this year's draft class to me the Josh Allen is Trey Lance when you talk about small school kid um, accuracy issues and uh, and play and basically the level of talent that he was playing with um, so I think it is going to be Trey Lance or, you know, Justin Fields would be a close second. Dan Graziano, ESPN, April 18th. I am told the 49ers are extremely involved in the Trey Lance workout scheduled for Monday. Lance, who works with quarterback coach Quincy Avery, spent the last couple weeks working with quarterback coach John Beck. Kyle Shanahan coached Beck in Washington a decade ago and trusts his opinion. I'm told Lance went to work with Beck at Shanahan's request and that the Niners coaching staff gave Beck a list of drills they wanted Lance to work on ahead of Monday's workout. Effectively, the 49ers designed the workouts and will have a hand in administering it. I I don't have my own scale. I'm not as cool as Matt. My scale would be much less confusing if I did have a scale. But I do think that there's some validity to that report, and I think that there's something substantial to that report. I think I'm – I cannot believe this. I And it's not that I don't don't like Trey Lance. It's just I think, I think Trey Lance is going to be QB3 after all this, after all this Mac Jones stress and conversations. And – being frustrated about Justin Fields and and how he's been per- portrayed as a prospect, as a kid, whatever. I think it's Trey Lance. It's quarterback three. I really do. Matthew Lane. There's not really a scale. Uh, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll get the BS reading on this. We'll get the BS reading on this. Trey Lance, quarterback three to the San Francisco 49ers. What's the reading? Beep, beep, boop, bop, beep, 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 beep. The reading of this is the equivalent to the Chiefs will go to their third straight Super Bowl in this upcoming NFL season. Ooh. Ooh, no BS detected. <laughs> you love to see it. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the AP Draft Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back on Friday with the AP Laboratory. So close to the NFL Draft. A big mock draft the next time we have this show. Thank you all so much. We'll catch you later. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. 
Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.